Welcome to The Chapel Online. At The Chapel, we're about helping people meet, know, and follow Jesus on the campus, in the city, and around the world. Currently, we are going through the book of Daniel, where our theme is we can live with courage because of our confidence in God, no matter what chaos we face. Hey, welcome to the chapel online. We're so glad that you've joined us. If you were with us last week, you realized that in the month of June, the chapel is, has 30 days of prayer. We are praying for the nations of the world to open their doors so that our missionaries could go back. It's quite complicated. Last Sunday at our Segan location, I was able to pray and I actually said in public, Lord, I want you to do something on this day, Sunday, or as early as Monday so that our missionaries can have confidence and that um, you're gonna make a way for them to go back. We were praying for Southeast Asia. The next day, Monday, I got an, an, um, a text message from one of our missionaries that said there was actually movement in the country they're trying to get back to. And so we just rejoice as a staff that God answers prayer. And so I'd like for you to pray with me just before we do anything else, that the God of heaven, the one we read about in the book of Daniel, who controls kings and kingdoms, would open a way for our missionaries to get back to where they're trying to serve and take the gospel. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, we, we give you thanks that you answer prayer, and we ask you, we ask God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit to move on the nations of the world the government officials, the bureaucracy, and make a way for our missionaries to get back with the gospel. God, it's their heart to be at your service. And so we stand ready for you to move so that we can respond, so they can go. And we'll give you the praise and the glory when that happens. We pray all of this in the powerful and the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, thanks for joining me. Actually, we're gonna end the month on site on the 24th of June. That night, we're gonna have a night of prayer and praise. Love for you to join us. If you're in the area, we'll also be praying for the nations. Now today, we're gonna to look again at the life of Daniel. We're gonna get the last kind of character sketch of him, and it's one of integrity. Without integrity, life falls into chaos. Businesses fail, marriages are ruined, relationships are damaged. Actually, countries go to war. Now, it's been suggested that integrity is not something you show off for others. It's, it's what you should be doing when no one else is looking. Integrity is often the choice between what is convenient and what is right. The word integrity appears on most you know, corporate value statements and businesses all around the world. But it needs to be more than a statement or corporate language. If you don't believe that, says Robert Duncan of Forbes magazines, just check out the companies who have been exposed by whistleblowers, who have been skewered by the media, who have been boycotted by customers, who have been dumped by investors, are protested by their employees. When there is no integrity, all of those things happen. And many companies and businesses today are talking about integrity, wanting their places of business to lead the way in what some have called an ethical revolution. 
Now, within businesses, all right, there are many mm, integrity issues, sexual harassment, conflicts of interests, um, account expense account variations and violations, right? Integrity is an issue that says <clears throat> that um, you need to act like the values you say you're hold, you hold. And, and you're, you're not living as a person of integrity when you live contrary to the values that you hold. In companies, it's when there is a, um, Duncan says it this way, when there is a misalignment between the stated values of the company and those of the customer's employees. For the Christian, it's this. There's no integrity when there's a misalignment between the character of Christ and the conduct of the Christian. We are to live and be like Jesus. And so that's what we're talking about, integrity. Personal integrity is being the same person in public as you are in private. And the beautiful thing is, as followers of Jesus, not only are we called to that, we're called to live that. That's a call up. But we're also promised to be empowered to live that way as we trust and rely on God. With a lack of integrity, as I said, there's chaos. Because a lack of integrity necessitates lies, cover-ups, denials, and a slew of other disastrous and foolish action. So you could reason that a life of integrity is going to help us navigate the chaos of this world and our life because we don't have to decide at every turn what we're going to do because we're living consistently under conviction, who we're going to serve. We're going to just keep being the same person in every situation. When I think of people who lack integrity and those that are exposed on our news feed, the list is long, right? There are those that abuse, manipulate, steal, and embezzle, you know, just to name a few things. However, when I think of a list of people that don't live with integrity who are followers of Jesus and do the same things, that list is heartbreaking, isn't it? Because we're to live differently. As I said, today is kind of a final sketch where we see Daniel, a man of integrity, who living by that integrity is thrown into a den, a lion's den, and lives to talk about it. And so we'll be reminded again of one of our big themes. God is in charge of kings and kingdoms of this world, not the other way around. See, this is the, the third king and the second kingdom we see Daniel involved with in the last three chapters. In chapter four, he was dealing with Nebuchadnezzar. In chapter 5, 23 years later, he's dealing with the last king of Babylon, Belshazzar. In this chapter, we see him dealing with Darius, the new king of the area, the ruler of the uh, Medo-Persian empire that had conquered the Babylonians. And we'll see this man of integrity, Daniel. Now, people of integrity are people that God can, can bank on, and those are the ones he will use. And so we'll, we're again re reminded that integrity actually is strengthened as we trust in God who is in charge. Here's how we've said it. We can have courage because our confidence is in God no matter what the chaos is we face. So we'll start today and we'll see that courage is in, actually strengthened uh, through integrity. And, and that's a life of character. So courage, in chaos is strengthened by a life 
of character, which is what we'll see in Daniel. The opening few verses kind of set the stage for how the how King Darius has begun to organize and expand the kingdom after annexing the Babylonian Empire. He's 62 years old, he's full of wisdom, he's quick, and he's decisive in what he does, right? And so it says in the opening verses, it pleased Darius to appoint 120 uh, satraps who um, to rule throughout the kingdom and three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps uh, by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Wow. A satrap is a, is a viceroy, a, a vassal ruler uh, placed over a province in the empire. You can think of them as princesses, right? So a prince is, is placed over this area. And, and Darius, is, he's thinking, hey, I, I need to get control of the empire that I've conquered, and I don't want to have to lose anything. And so, like all good leaders, he's going to create a, a list of uh, the, the resources, the people in the new kingdom that he's conquered. And let me tell you, at the top of that list is the man Daniel. His character is outstanding, and his quality of work is superior. He is a person of integrity. And, and that means that who he is in public and who he is in private are the same. <laughs> I think, it's, I think it's a little funny, maybe discouraging for Daniel. He is a man that has been twice captured. He was first captured as a teenager and made to serve in the Babylonian Empire. He was taken out of Judah. Now he's captured by the king of Persia, but he's no longer a teenager. He's an older man. He's probably in his 80s, but he fully understands the Babylonian Empire, and therefore he is going to be the prominent person that Darius is going to use in governing this expanded kingdom. So you have, you have one king, you have 120 princesses, you have three presidents, and we'll see the, the king's desire to promote Daniel is going to make other people jealous, and they're going to create a plan to kind of trap Daniel. Let's look at Daniel 6, verses 4 and 5. At this, the king's desire to promote Daniel. The administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds uh, for charges against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Now they started with his professional life, his public life, and then they would examine his personal life and they wouldn't find anything. There would be no difference in the man in public and the man in private. What about you? If your professional life were examined, audited, you know, your, your time cards, your, your computer, your, your phone, uh, your text messages, your images, your jokes, your comments around the office, how, how, how would you fare? Would the ethics board of your company find something to take uh, for which they need to take action? Would there be a, a meeting with the HR to discuss your comments or your actions or the content of your devices? 
if an external came in and, and looked over your financial records, your books, you know, your receipts, your cash flow, would they, would they find things in order and above board? For Daniel, they found nothing, nothing. There was no dirt and there was seemingly not even dust. So they left his public world and went, well, let's go to his personal life. Let's go to his private life. Let's see what he does after hours, because those are our hours, right? They looked for corruption, not only in his office, but in his personal life. And as it said, he was neither uh, corrupt nor ne negligent. They didn't find anything. What would happen in an examination of your personal and private life? What would, what would it reveal? You know, it breaks our heart. It breaks my heart when we see Christians that don't live with integrity because inevitably it really hurts people. And it puts um, a black eye on the gospel of Jesus Christ. You may know the name Ravi Zacharias. He was a brilliant and generous, apologetic voice defending the gospel around the world. An amazing thinker. But recently, actually after his death, and completely unknown to those who worked closest with him, it was revealed that he was living a shadow life, a private life that was a hidden life, rather, right? And he was exploiting and using women. What about you? What about us? Right? Are you, are you living a double life, a shadow life? If people were to find your second phone and really look at it, what would, what would they find? If people knew the aliases on your social media and examined your postings and your rantings, would you be the same person there that you portray yourself to be in private conversations with them? Now, I know that some of you live and work in very difficult situations. And you might even think, I don't even know how to live with integrity in this world because there's so much assumed with my work that kind of comes along with it. Places of great power often have kind of built into them indulgences and excesses and abuses just kind of associated with it. And then in other places, there's cronyism where people are assumed to be up for the next job, but you know, you never really get to see others and, and think critically about that. And then, and then there's this crowd mentality, right? This is what everybody's doing. And all, we're, tempt, we're all tempted by these things. And sometimes you just kind of think, how do I live upright in a crooked world? That's a great question. I would say it starts and it, and it continues regularly on our knees as we pray and we find strength and power of the Holy Spirit to live the life God calls us to. So here's our second point. Courage and chaos is sustained by constant prayer. And that's what we'll see in the life of Daniel. Starting in verse six, it says, so the administrators and the satraps, they went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever, royal, the royal ambassadors, prefects, satraps, advisors, governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human during the next 30 days, during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree 
and put it into writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So the king put it into writing, put the decree into writing. This, this is a coalition of conspiracy, and these are simply political shenanigans, right? This is just, they are playing to the king's ego, and he kind of goes along with it. But Daniel does something different. Verse 10, now, now, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the window opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God, to, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Man, don't miss the the position of Daniel, not that he's facing toward Jerusalem, but he's on the second floor. He's not very plainly see, but people still notice. People will always notice others of integrity. People of integrity stand out, and he has been living a life of integrity for a very long time. People watch. What do they see? They saw a person who regularly and consistently gave thanks to God. Now, a life of gratitude, you cannot underestimate this, a life of prayerful gratitude naturally is going to reduce fear and anxiety and worry and therefore the chaos in our mind and life because it builds in us courage and confidence in God's faithfulness and provision because we're constantly reminding ourselves by giving thanks. Do you regularly thank God for all he's done for you? Have you lived long enough to know that some of those toughest days were actually gifts of God to create in you the character and the integrity that has led you to live the life you have? You know, what, I can assure you that if you spent time giving thanks to God, as, as much time as it takes, right? We need to go to God as often as life warrants it. So for Daniel, that was three times a day. For you, it may be 10 times a day. I don't know where you are. But Daniel lived a life of gratitude. He had the regular practice of coming before the Lord, and he was living with integrity. But that's not all. He asked for help. In verse 11, it said, Then these men went as a group, they're all traveling as a group, and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. Now, let me be really clear. A life of integrity a life of godly integrity, right, will not happen without assistance from God. A life of integrity for God will not happen without assistance from God. He's designed to be our helper in this and to ask for help. And Daniel is asking for help to be such a man. Where do you need God's help? Where are you going to say, God, I need your help? Have you asked for it? And have you asked for it ready to do what God says? I find that people don't ask because they, they don't wanna know what they need to do, right? And let's not miss this. Following God with integrity can lead directly to a lion's den. But here's the difference. In the lion's den, the glory of God will be put on display. In Daniel's life and often 
in our life. Now, as a church, right, we've been asking God for help to open the doors of the country. We've been asking you to join us. So I also want to say, you know, when you need help, we need others. So who's with you? Who's praying for you? Who's on their knees with you asking God to help you through this? If you don't have that, you're going to need it. Daniel needed help. He's in a new kingdom with yet another new king. He's gone through many of them. And there's a new law that is going to put him in jeopardy. And he knows it. He was wise enough to know that this was a trap. But we'll see. The satraps also cornered the king, and it's not going to turn out good for them. In verses 12 and 13, it says this. So they went to the king, and they spoke to him about the royal decree. They said, Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. And they then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles of Judah, pray, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put into writing. He still prays three times a day. Hmm. Yes. And continuing, verse 14, when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issued can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. Here's a picture by uh, Brighton uh, Revere from 1890. It's really a classic. It's in a lot of um, older Bibles. It was painted in 1890. And here you see Daniel calm, the animals kind of pacing, kind of held off, as it were. It's just a great depiction of courage and confidence in the midst of chaos. And the king... Well, the king had been trapped in his own words. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but it's pretty frustrating. And, and it didn't escape the king. You know, how could it? They, they trapped him. And Daniel is actually showing more integrity than anybody. He's living by his convictions, no matter the cost. And the king, he's going to go ahead and administer a bad law, even though he knows it's just a joke. So let's see what happens. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with, with his own signet ring and the rings of the nobles. I'm guessing that's their suggestion, so that Daniel's situation might not change. Then the king returned to his palace, and he spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. And at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. He's dying to see what happened to one of his chief officials and somebody that, you know, had just been trapped. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God has sent 
his angel, and he shut the mouths of lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I done anything wrong, um, any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he trusted in his God. Mm, don't miss, don't miss this. We can get, we can see, think about the fact that he had, he had no scars, he had no cuts. But don't miss this. Daniel's primary evaluation of his own life was his consistent concern for who he was before God before his Lord. He was not concerned about others, what others thought about him. His main and constant concern was always God, right? Not just for a few days, not for a season of his life, but for all of his life. That was his concern. This is the real mark of Christian integrity. It's not evaluating ourselves based on what is acceptable or, or based on others in the culture. It's not about evaluating ourselves on what is legal or what we might get away with, right? Daniel is evaluating his life in regards to how he lived before the Lord. This was his concern. This was Daniel's main concern. Had he been, had he done right by God for whom, to whom he's gonna give account of his life? It's a question too few ask in day-to-day -day life. Actually, the apostle Paul, went even further and said, just because I'm able to do things doesn't mean I should, right? In, in the Corinthian letter, he takes an argument that they had posed to him and he puts it back to them and he says this, quoting them, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, you say, but I'm not gonna be mastered by anything. Just because I can do it doesn't mean I should do it. And what, how do you know the differences in prayer? And, and Paul addresses this twice in the book of 1 Corinthians. Once in relation to what we give our body to, issues of food and sexuality, and then a second time in relation to what we give our heart to, idols and the things we worship. He's like, I'm, I'm not gonna be deterred. I wanna live a life of absolute integrity, which is what Daniel did. And God found no fault in him. And that's what Daniel says is the reason he was rescued. Now, what did the king do? Well, two things. He dealt with those who played him, and then he declared something to the whole world. In Daniel 24, it says, at the, command, at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Whoa, that's brutal. That's really brutal. So that's what he did for all those people. But then what does the king say to the rest of the world? Daniel's courage and the outcome of his life and character and the integrity that resulted in praise to God. So that's our third point. Courage and chaos causes other people to worship God. Isn't this what Jesus said? In the Sermon on the Mount, he said, let your light shine before others that they're gonna see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. People always notice people of integrity. Let me read the decree in Daniel 25 through 27. 
It says, Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the Lord, the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lion. Wow. It goes out in multiple languages to all the people groups that are in his kingdom. Just like Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 4, where Nebuchadnezzar sends out an edict all around the world some 25 years, 27 years earlier. Now it's happening again. It's just amazing. God's getting all the praise. And again, right, if you, if you look at those four chapters, chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6, Chapter 4, we see a king who repents and returns and praises God. Chapter 5, we see a king who doesn't, who is judged and loses his life and his kingdom and his reputation. In in, uh, chapter 6, we see a king who ends up praising God for what he has done. And then the chapter ends so beautifully. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and during the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Now, What about today? Today, I want to challenge you to take your courage in the chaos you face by putting your confidence and trust in Christ. Let me explain. You see, Jesus lived a life of integrity. He was a man of character. He had an assignment from God, and he completed it. And a lot of people don't realize that Jesus was absolutely holy and perfect. He was God, and he was man. And as God, he's holy. And he came to earth and he lived and he loved and he served humanity. He wasn't contaminated by it. He didn't conform to the pattern and practices of those around him, but he transformed the world around him through his life, through his teaching, through his death, and through his resurrection. So is it possible to live in this life with integrity in the very hard places? The answer is yes. Jesus did with the purpose of bringing redemption and hope and love. And he did it by praying. All throughout the New Testament, we see Jesus praying. Chapter 1 of Mark, we see him praying early in the morning to have direction and wisdom of know to where to go and to whom to speak. In the middle of the Gospels, we see Jesus pray all night long for discernment and wisdom as he picks 12 apostles. At the end of his life, we see him praying in the Garden of Gethsemane for what? Just like Daniel for help. He, was, he would be betrayed that night. He would be tried, falsely tried. He would be bitten, beaten. He would be ridiculed. And he would ultimately be uh, crucified. And he's saying, Lord, I need your help. And his life of integrity went so far in him offering himself to, for us as a sacrifice to make, to, to make a way for us to be right with God And he rose from the dead. And in the end, that life of integrity will end in worship. It says in the Bible that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. There's a lot of similarities, a lot of similarities. Daniel said that God had spared his life because he found no fault in him. Wow, 
particularly in the life he lived during exile. Now, to stand before God, we have to be without fault. Not simply for a season, but perfect for a lifetime, without fault. And nobody can do that, not even Daniel. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one's perfect. And if we're honest, that's not hard to conclude. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift, the gift of God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So left to ourselves, we will be eternally and spiritually dead. But God wants to bring us life and eternal life through Jesus Christ, if we will just trust in that provision. See, Daniel, living a life of integrity, said, this is who I am, this is how I'm going to live, I'm going to trust God and his provision. And you know what God provided? He provided an angel to protect him. What does God provide us? A son, a savior. The angels shut the mouths of lions. The son shuts the mouth of the grave. That's a big difference. And what I mean by that is this. Jesus conquered sin and death. Yes, we die in this life but we don't have to face eternity separated from God. We can have courage because our confidence in God, no matter what the chaos, and there's nothing more chaotic than death itself. See, Jesus was perfect enough to be our substitute, to die in our place, to die our death, and he did, and he rose from the dead. And when we trust in him, we can know the forgiveness of sins. We can know um, confidence. We can have uh, courage to face this life. So as we end today, let me ask you, are you trusting Jesus to guide and empower you to live a life of integrity? Or are you just trying to do it on your own? Because if you are, you're probably pretty frustrated. But if you'll come to him and say, Lord, I want to live for you. I want to live the life you've called me to, the way you've called me to, through the power of your Holy Spirit. I yield to you. Guide me. Right? And are you trusting Jesus as, his, as God's provision for eternity? That's, that's the salvation question. Have you put your faith in, in Christ? It's an act of your will, will to say, yes, Jesus, I'm ready to follow you. I'm ready to believe that you died in my place and you rose from the dead to give me life. Will you? Will you trust in God's provision? That's, that's our question week after week, isn't it? Am I going to trust God to empower me to live a life of uh, um, integrity? Am I going to trust God to be the one who rescues me and saves me from a life separated from him? Let me pray for us as we end. Father God, I pray for those who are struggling to live a life of honest integrity before you because they're doing it all by themselves. I pray they would humble themselves and come to you and ask for help. I pray that they would ask as often and as frequently as they need to. I pray that we'd be people like Daniel who lived a life of integrity, a life of character because of a constant prayer life. And I pray that it would result in worship in our life and the lives of others. Lord, I pray for those who are watching today and listening, wherever they are, if they've never trusted in you, that they would know that, God, you sent Jesus to this earth to die in their place, to be a substitute 
to die their death and that that all, all they can be made right with you just by simply bowing the knee of their heart and trusting in you by an act of their will, trusting that you died for them and you rose from the dead and you want to live in them and begin to transform them into persons of integrity, women and men of integrity that have strength of fiber, that can face the chaos of this world with peace and humility and love. I pray for those that need to trust you today that they would. Call out to God right where you are. He will hear you. And let us know so we can help you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you have any questions about becoming a Christian, please see our website, thechapelbr.com slash yes. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. To find out more about the chapel, visit thechapelbr.com.